Welcome back to another episode of Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I am Jack Llewellyn. Thank you for joining me. So if you were with us last week um, or listened to the, the last episode, we were starting to talk about the CIA. And we're trying to evaluate the concept, the allegations that somehow the CIA was involved in um, and, and maybe directly involved in and maybe even the lead actor in the uh, kidnapping, interrogation, and ultimate murder of Agent Camarena. We started to go through that, and we're going to go back to that um, today. But before we do, I um, want to give a couple of updates. So nothing really new on the Carl Quintero front, but lots of news out of Mexico. Um, a lot of news talking about different activities of um, some of the cartels, CJNG in particular. Uh, but the really big news uh, for the last couple of days has been the hacker's leak of emails from the uh, Department of Defense and other organizations within uh, the Mexican government, which include, but certainly aren't limited to, emails that really seem to conclusively demonstrate that the military had and has had for many years um, a relationship with cartels, cartel members, other members of, of organized crime factions, and that there was some type of give and take between them, depending on who was in power and, and those sorts of things. So we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about the fact that the Mexican legislature approved um, having the military on the streets, per particularly with respect to uh, the cartels and things until 2028. Those are things that are going to be in the newsletter coming out on Saturday. There are also things that we'll probably talk about in the next episode. But today we're going to talk again about the, the CIA. But before we do that, I want to go back to these rhetorical devices that we've been talking about. And, and when I'm saying rhetoric here, I mean kind of the formal debate, analysis, um, debate, discussion, you know, rhetoric, something that you would, you would have in, in college and discuss. Um, and we talked initially about facts and, and what we called the bastardization or the dumbing down of facts. We talked about credibility, what credibility means. Last week, we talked about pseudo-intellectualism, and we applied that to the last narc and Agent Berea's, Berea's arguments um, and allegations. And today, I want to talk just for a couple of moments about false syllogisms and some other logical fallacies that we should be aware of and we should be thinking about, and we really should be thinking about them Whenever we're analyzing uh, the statements, the allegations, the assertions made in the last NARC, those made by Agent Boreas, and we will look at those when we're talking about you know, the CIA and drawing our own conclusions. So I want to look at false syllogisms and then a couple of other uh, rhetorical devices that we need to be very, very cognizant of and aware of and wary of. Because I think one of the things that 
has worked to the benefit of Agent Breas and the last narc is that if you don't know better, if you don't know where the holes are, if you're not looking for logical inconsistencies, or if you don't know enough to see the factual inconsistencies, it sounds good, right? And that's sometimes what rhetoric does. Rhetoric sounds good, even if it's not. So we want to talk about false syllogisms. And to start with, what is a syllogism? A syllogism really is a large logical argument that uses deductive reasoning to arrive at a conclusion based on two or more propositions that are either asserted to be or assumed to be true. So basically, you start with a general statement, a specific statement, and then a conclusion based on those two statements or two premises. So a very, very simple example. All mammals are warm-blooded. Bats are mammals. So we've got the general statement, all mammals are warm-blooded. The specific statement, bats are mammals. The conclusion to be drawn from those two, therefore, bats are warm-blooded. Nice, simple, uh, and, and it's a clean argument. Now, you can also have a conditional syllogism, which is more like if A is true and B is true, then C must be true. It's a pattern of logic, but it's based on assumptions. It's conditional. Now, where you got to be careful on syllogisms is you can get to faulty syllogisms or false syllogisms. And that's when two statements are used to prove a point that either is not true, as in is false, or doesn't have to be true. Two really simple examples. Jane is a student. Students like to party. Thus, Jane likes to party. Okay. Well, that may or may not be true. Similarly, killer dogs have long teeth. My dog has long teeth. My dog is a killer dog. Okay. Doesn't have to be true. And we want to be, again, just careful when we see arguments that say there's this and this and therefore this has to be true. And we're going to talk about that again in a few minutes. But be aware of that. And every time you're looking at the arguments in the last arc or the arguments made by Agent Boreas, whenever you're looking at the statements made by Godoy and Lopez and Ramon Lira, keep these things in mind. There's two other kind of rhetorical things that I want to talk about. One is statistical fallacies, and, and everybody's heard the statement, you know, you can prove anything with statistics, and, and we all know that statistics can be manipulated, um, and a rigorous application of the laws of statistics is really important. Here's a very simple example that I heard the other day, I think is, is very good, to show how statistics can be, uh, can be used in a way that, that is not logical and doesn't make sense and, and doesn't serve any purpose. So if you say, based on current birth rates, on average, one out of every four births in the world is of a Chinese baby. And you say, you know, my wife has had three children. 
we're expecting our fourth. None of our children were Chinese. Therefore, statistically speaking, our child should be Chinese. Of course, that's absurd. But what it does is it shows that statistics that apply in one setting maybe cannot be extrapolated outward or inward to a different setting, a different time. So just anytime somebody is talking about statistics, be very careful. The last thing I want to mention is the idea of false, false causality. And we're going to really hammer on that in a few minutes here. There's a Latin phrase, and I won't butcher the Latin, but really is translated to with this, therefore, because of this. And what it really is, is an assumption that when two events occur together, one must have caused the other. And what we want to be aware of and cautious of is correlation does not imply causation. Correlation can be nothing more than that. And we're kind of the logical step from that or one step removed is because two things occurred, it does not necessarily mean they are connected. Okay. It's kind of the, the backside of the coin of correlation isn't causation. Coincidence or concurrence doesn't imply causation either. Okay. Again, Think back to the stuff we talked about with pseudo-intellectualism. Think about the ideas we talked about with respect to facts. Think about these kind of logical, rhetorical devices. And now we want to apply those to uh, our analysis, our, the second part of our analysis of the CIA. And we're going to do that today in three parts. So number one, we're going to talk about some uh, a written statement um, from 1998, of a former DEA agent by the name of Celerino or Cele Castillo. And we're going to talk about his statement and uh, the facts that are asserted in that s- statement. Then we're going to look in this context. We've looked at Ro- Felix Rodriguez before, we've talked about him, but we're going to talk about him kind of just in this context of the CIA. Uh, Then we're going to look at the assassination uh, of Manuel Buendia. We've done that before as well. So we're going to look at it just in the context of this discussion about the CIA. But in that situation, we're specifically going to apply some of these rhetorical devices and analyze the assertions relating to Mr. Buendia in that regard. And then we're going to come to some conclusions, or at least I am. I'm going to offer my thoughts, my perspective, fully acknowledging that some of you may agree, some of you may not, some of you may have different ideas. There may be differences on the margins. There may be major differences, but we'll talk about it, and then uh, and then we'll figure out where we're going to go uh, for the coming weeks ahead. All right. So, Cele Castillo. Sela Castillo was a DEA agent, and uh, he made a number of important and significant allegations during uh, his time after he served in the DEA and after his time serving a lot of time working on the drug wars 
uh, in, in quotes, in Central America. Now, Agent Castillo was implicated in the, um, you know, the scandal that, that was known as the Fast and Furious operation. He served some time in jail. We're not going to get into any of that, okay? Don't want to talk about that right now. We can come back to that at a different time if it's important. But I want to talk about the allegations that Agent Castillo made and want to look through some of the specific allegations for purposes of our analysis of the CIA, okay? So Agent Castillo's statement is dated April 27, 1998. And I want to read two paragraphs that start off his statement because it gives you a good idea of where things were going. So he says, for several years, I fought in the trenches of the front lines of Reagan's drug war, trying to stamp out what I considered America's greatest foreign threat. But when I was posted in Central and South America from 1984 through 1990, I knew we were playing the drug war follies. While our government shouted, just say no, entire Central and South American nations fell into what are now known as cocaine democracies. While the DEA, or while with the DEA, I was able to keep journals of my assignments in Central and South America. These journals include names, case file numbers, and DEA NATIS information to back up my allegations. I have pictures and original passports of the victims that were murdered by CIA assets. These atrocities were done with the approval of the agencies. We ordinary Americans cannot trust CIA Inspector General to conduct a full investigation into the CIA CIA, or the DEA. Let me tell you why. When President Clinton ordered the Intelligence Oversight Board to conduct an investigation into allegations that U.S. agents were involved in atrocities in Guatemala, it failed to investigate several DEA and CIA operations in which U.S. agents knew beforehand that individuals, some Americans, were going to be murdered. And then he goes on and he starts talking about specific allegations. Uh, And... One of the primary things he talks about were the allegations of CIA involvement with uh, drug trafficking, CIA involvement with the Contras and drug trafficking. And in fact, one of his um, headings is facts of my investigation on CIA Contras drug trafficking in El Salvador. Now, this goes on for several pages, and then he starts, um, Agent Castilla does, with uh, dates in December of 1985, or actually a little bit before that, and goes through on a line-by-line basis asserting different facts, different things that happened with respect to the CIA, Guatemalan military, El Salvador military, and it goes on for a number of pages, Okay. So very extensive. And remember, remember what he says, that he was able to keep names, case files, etc. He also, at the end, 
has a um, has a list of case files. He says the list of DA case files and names of individuals that may help support my allegations. And then he's got a number of them, Seven, uh, probably 20, 25 of them. I didn't count. So lots and lots of, of, um, of facts, lots and lots of details. Why is this important for us? Well, let's look at some of what he says with respect to the Contras and the time around uh, February of 1985. Okay? So here's where it goes. He says, um, when the Boland Amendments cut the Contras off from a continued U.S. government subsidy, George Bush, his National Security Advisor Don Gregg, and Ollie North turned to certain foreign governments and private contributions to replace government dollars. Criminal sources of contributions were not excluded. By the end of 1981, through a series of executive orders and national security decision directives, many of which have been declassified, Vice President Bush was placed in charge of all Reagan administration intelligence operations. All of the covert operations carried out by officers of the CIA the Pentagon, and every other federal agency, along with a rogue army of former intelligence operatives and foreign agents, was commanded by George Bush. Gary Webb acknowledged that he had simply not traced the command structure over the Contras up to the White House, although he had gotten some indications that the operation was just or was not just CIA. He goes on to say, and this is the important part, okay? So listen to these dates. Listen to these dates. In August 1982, George Bush hired Donald P. Gregg as his principal advisor for national security. In late 1984, Gregg introduced Oliver North to Felix Rodriguez. Gregg personally introduced Rodriguez to Bush on January 22, 1985. Two days after his January 1985 meeting, Rodriguez went to El Salvador and made arrangements to set up his base of operations at Ilopengo Air Base. Okay. Then he goes on, talks about things that North wrote in his journal in 1985. He talks about going to Guatemala and starting in 1985. And then, as I said, he goes date, not day by day, but he goes dates through um, his last entry is, for all practical purposes, October of 1984, or 1994, sorry. Um, and he talks in great detail about CIA operations, again, CIA activities, Oliver North. Um, he talks also, again, about Felix Rodriguez in di different places. He also attributes the name uh, Max Gomez to Felix Rodriguez. Lots of detail, okay? What's important about this? What's important? Agent Camarena's name is nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Not one mention. Nothing. 
All right. So what does that mean? What does that prove? Does it prove in and of itself nothing? No, I'm not going to make that logical leap. But you've got somebody who was deeply involved in this, who knew about what Don Gregg was doing in the White House, who makes allegations and knows about what Vice President Bush at the time was doing, who knows about the conversations between Bush and Felix Rodriguez, knows about Felix Rodriguez going to El Salvador, doesn't mention anything, anything about any of them being involved in Mexico, doesn't mention anything about them being involved with the the so-called Guadalajara cartel, and doesn't mention Agent Camarena at all. Isn't that weird? I mean, think about it. Nobody mentioned anything. We talked about that last week when we were talking about the thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of documents that are in the Iran-Contra affair and the Iran-Contra hearings, the Iran-Contra files, the things that are at the National Archives, people talking about Warner Lots, you know, who flew Carl Quintero. I think um, somebody mentioned it last week. I said he flew Camarena to Costa Rica. Hope everybody knows that that was just a, a slip of the tongue. Warner Lots flew Carl Quintero to Costa Rica. He was interviewed. He says nothing about the Camarena case and a connection to the CIA. It just doesn't make sense, does it? Don't you start asking yourself, how could they have been involved when nobody who's this closely involved has any information at all about that? And look, whatever you think of Agent Castillo's motivations, whether he was completely right, completely wrong, someplace in the middle, he clearly was willing to make accusations, right? If he had information, if he'd heard anything that suggested that the CIA was also involved, not only in killing other Americans. Remember, he says, look, I people were aware that Americans were going to get killed. If he knew that they were involved in Agent Camarena's death, do you think he wouldn't have said something? Of course not. And again, I'm not going to be one who's going to say, therefore, we know. But we can start making conclusions. When you look at one thing, that's one thing. When you look at another, and you look at another, and you look at another, okay? All right. So that's Cele Castillo's declaration, his written statement. What else do we want to talk about in this regard before we draw some of these conclusions? Well, we want to talk for just a second, about Felix Rodriguez, okay? And remember what the allegations have turned to. So, you know, it starts off, we, you know, we have uh, press statements from Bereas and the others saying, you know, we're not saying the CIA killed Agent Cameron. We're just saying that, you know, the way they interacted with the cartels and with the DFS kind of allowed it to, to happen. Then we have, yep, they were involved. Uh, then it goes to, yep, they were really involved. In fact, it, they were the ones who orchestrated it. Then it turns into, oh, by the way, it was Felix Rodriguez who was there. 
And then it turns into Felix Rodriguez is not only there, he handled the interrogation and he may have actually, uh, you know, roughed up Camarena a little bit. Kind of every so long, there has to be a new allegation. It has to, it has to go long. It has to get bigger. It has to be important. It has to be newsworthy. Somebody's got to want to interview me. What's interesting is there's nothing contemporaneous. Nothing. There's nothing in the congressional records from the Iran-Contra affairs that indicates that Felix Rodriguez was in Mexico at any time uh, around Agent Camarena's uh, abduction. There's nothing at all in any of the documents talking to the witnesses in 1990, 1991, people who allegedly were at Lope de Vega, not one place, not Godoy, not Lopez, not uh, Cervantes Santos, nobody, nobody says, you know who was there? It was Cara Quintero and Fonseca and some Cuban dude we don't know. Not one piece of evidence, nothing, nothing at all. Um, nobody mentions any of that. Okay. Nobody who's ever listened to the interrogation tapes says, oh, (laughs) and there was somebody with a Cuban accent. We also know, or I've told you that I've talked to people who say Felix Rodriguez was given the code name Max Gomez in El Salvador by an El Salvadorian military official in September of 1985. And so the notion that Godoy and Lopez can say, oh, we knew him as Max Gomez in 1984 is simply wrong. Acknowledge for the sake of this discussion that in order to factor that into your analysis, you have to believe what I've been told and that they're telling the truth. But that's another fact or another factor to put into your calculus. And then, you know, we talked about facts. What, you know, what makes a good fact? All we have to support the claim that Felix Rodriguez was involved in Agent Camarena's interrogation is the testimonials of Godoy and Lopez. That's it. And testimonials in and of themselves are amongst the weakest types of evidence, the weakest type of factual basis, right? Because somebody can say anything. Testimonials are backed up or supported when the people making those testimonials have high degrees of credibility, which you certainly can't say about Godoy and Lopez. Remember, Lopez says that he kidnapped Agent Camarena. Is that the person we really, really want to be basing all of this on? And we know the number of times that they've flat out been false. We've talked about that for weeks. 
The other thing that buttresses or supports testimonials is contemporaneous documentary evidence. And in this case, there is none. None. Then we want to talk about Buendia for a second. So the allegation was made by the Bartleys in uh, Eclipse of the Assassins. It was made by Agent Boreas in his book. It was made in the last arc. Is that there was some type of causal connection or correlation between Buendia's assassination and Agent Camarena's murder uh, and kidnapping. But let's look at that. So number one, we've talked, and we've talked about some of this before. Number one, Manuel Buendia was killed on May 30th, 1984. May 30, 1984. That's almost nine months prior to Agent Camarena's abduction. That's a long time to try to come up with a causal connection, isn't it? The premise behind the allegations that there's a connection between Buendia and Camarena is the idea that Buendia was working on the on CIA connections to the Mexican government and to traffickers and to the drug trade, etc. But that's a, an assumption that may or may not be true. In fact, if you look at it, shortly after Buendia was killed, the press in Mexico didn't attribute it to anything like that, but basically was saying that the Mexican government itself was trying to silence or um, intimidate journalists who were looking into allegations of Mexican government connections to traffickers and other corruption in Mexico. And in fact, one of the major newspapers in Mexico, the day after Buendia was killed, says, and I quote, the bullets that killed Manuel Buendia were not directed at one man, but at freedom of expression. There were many other journalists who were killed around that time in Mexico. This one just happened to be the most famous one. What else do we know for sure? We know that the head of the DFS, who was initially put in charge of the investigation, was actually charged as were three other DFS agents. And the allegation that was advanced was that Buendia was looking into issues with the DFS. And that's what got him killed and not anything that really had to do with any connection to the CIA and certainly nothing that connected the CIA with the Contras or anything like that. What's the other thing we, we know if there was a connection between Buendia and Camarena, it is de minimis at best. At best. At best. There's a phone number or a log that indicates that Buendia and Camarena may have spoken once. That's at best. Okay? Don't know. Let's assume that that's true. Let's just assume that's true. We don't know what was said. We don't know what they were talking about. We don't know how long it was. 
to suggest that somehow before Buendia died in May of 1984, he talked to Camarena and that got him killed or whatever they talked about got him killed. And then nine months later, it also got Camarena killed. That defies all sense of logic. Apply whatever causality rhetorical device you want. It doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. There's not a connection. And remember, we talked about the, the Bartley's book and and you know their application of Occam's razor, which I completely and totally disagreed with at the time. So the idea that somehow the allegations with respect to Felix Rodriguez or the allegations, the conclusions the hypotheses with respect to Buendia having a causal link to the Camarena case are simply absurd, and they do nothing to indicate that the CIA was in any way involved in Agent Camarena's abduction. Okay, so let's tie this all together. And one thing I, I wanted to point out earlier and didn't is this whole idea that you can't prove a negative, all right? I, I, I hate that. Hate it with a passion. And if you read my book, I've got an example in there that I'm going to repeat. Can you prove with 100% certainty a negative? Perhaps not. But as I sit here and record this with you today, looking at my computer screens, sitting at my desk, can I say with near certainty that there is not an elephant sitting on my desk right now? Yes, I can. And is that, again, is that 100%? Maybe not. Maybe it's 99.9999, go to wherever you want. But for all practical purposes, with a degree of certainty, that would satisfy strict academic scientific rigor, I can say there is not an elephant sitting on this desk. And by the same token, I can say, based on all the evidence, based on the absence of anything, anything connecting the CIA and the Iran-Contra activities to Agent Camarena, the lack of any mention of it in any of the records regarding the, the Iran-Contra affair. The failure of Agent Castillo to even mention Agent Camarena. The fact that in all of the documents relating to Agent Camarena, there is nothing that relates to the CIA. Nothing. None of his notes. Nothing. The fact that you had a very, very small office in Guadalajara in 1984 and 1985, and you had people that were very close to one another, and nobody, nobody says that Agent Camarena ever talked about the CIA, at least not in, in these terms at all. The fact that the allegations relating to Felix Rodriguez don't make sense, and there's no evidentiary support. 
There's not one contemporaneous document or statement that any way supports the assertion that Felix Rodriguez was at Lope de Vega when Agent Camarena was there. The complete lack of causality between Buendia and Camarena. Hell, I don't even want to say the lack of causality. I don't think there's any connection. Based on all of that, what can we say? I will say, with a high degree of certainty, that based on all the evidence available to anyone looking at it with an open mind, to anybody being academically honest, to anyone who's not trying to prove a point, to anyone who's not trying to sell a documentary, to anybody who's not trying to figure out what the advertisement is for their next, next business venture, no one looking at it in that light would see any connection between the CIA and Agent Camarena's abduction, his interrogation, or his murder. And I mentioned this once a long time ago. I had somebody say to me, well, you just don't want the CIA to be involved. Really? You didn't think so? I wrote a book. I'm writing another book. I've got a podcast. I have a website. If I found something that proved the connection, if I found something that nobody else had found, you don't think I'd be shouting that from the rooftops? Not only for my own gain, and I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I'm talking about you know, how it would benefit me, but just in the sense of if we're looking for the truth, if I find the truth, I'll tell you the truth. But it ain't in the CIA. It's just not. At least based on everything we have in front of us today. And that, my friends, is a lot. Again, if we were talking about, you know, a few pages in the congressional record. Okay. But we're not. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, hundreds of witnesses, lots of investigations. We're talking about people who were in Mexico, people who were in Central America for a long period of time, and there's nothing, nothing at all. So can we put this fallacy to the side for now? I don't want to keep banging on the CIA drum. Let's move on. Let's move on to deeper, more unsettled, frankly, more interesting discussions. Because there are still lots surrounding Agent Camarena, surrounding the events after his death, leading all the way up to the things we talked about, things going on today. Those are the things we're going to keep talking about. All right. Hopefully, that was fairly short, um, but hopefully between these two, we tie it together pretty well. Uh, I want to hear from you. Again, if I'm missing something, if you think I'm way off base, tell me 
But don't just tell me you think I'm wrong. You want the CIA to be involved. And certainly don't just come back and say, ah, come on, we all know the CIA could have done it. Don't dispute that. But give me some facts. All right. A couple things. Newsletter again coming out. If you um, want the newsletter, uh, which is just a quick read every Saturday, here's the 10 things that happened in the world relating to cartels and conspiracies. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, the podcast is also attached to it. Get on the website, uh, look at my email or go to my email. Give me your um, email address and I'll include you. Long Promise website, one, maybe two weeks away. I'm really excited about it. Um, and then again, next week, I'm not exactly sure where we're going to go. We're, we've got an extradition expert coming. Really want to talk about the stuff going on in Mexico today. Um, and I've got a couple of interviews with folks going back to the Camarena case um, in the next couple of days that could change things. So next week will be a surprise. But I hope you'll join me. Thank you for being along today and uh, have a good, safe week.